Well, this morning we turn to the first letter that Peter wrote to a church uh, he knew well, uh, friends of his, and we're going to begin in verse 3 and read the first few opening passages. Would you be standing, please, as we hear this? The Word of God as given through his faithful servant, Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. The word of God. Happy song. Uh, If you go back to the old classic, I'm happy today, oh yes, I'm happy today, through the innocuous, don't worry, be happy, all the way till today where it's, what is it, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof, is that it? All right, clap, okay. The little minions running around, you got it, all right. Well, sometimes, you know, you, you just hear a catchy tune like that and one that's kind of picks you up and you just feel better just by hearing the song. Well, Peter is writing to some people that he knows need to feel better. They need to feel better about themselves. They need to feel better about where they are right now. They need to feel especially better about what future they face. So when he writes this letter to them, he begins by singing a happy song. And Peter was probably dictating this letter, so his hands were free, and he was probably clapping along too as he said, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. You know, okay, think so? Because he's just so excited to give them a reason to be happy. Well, why did these people need this kind of pick-me-up? Why did they need a happy song? They needed it because if you read through the letter all the way, you discover that most of the people in this church are either slaves or women. And they're slaves who are owned by non-Christian masters or women who are married to non-Christian men. And that is creating some problems in their lives because as their faith grows and as they begin to conform their life to Christ, they don't fit in to the way that their owners and their husbands and their bosses and all these authority figures in their lives feel like they ought to do. 
For example, they no longer worship the family gods that are sitting around on the piano in the living room. You know, they don't bow down to those anymore because there's only one true God. And they begin living with a different morality and saying that some things that the pagan Gentile world approves of, they can no longer say those are good things and we don't behave in that way. In fact, they were living at a time much like ours, in which really the only thing not tolerated is intolerance. You know, the the only way to really get in trouble with people is if you say that you believe something is right and other things are wrong. Well, because of their beliefs and because of who they were becoming, these authority power figures in their lives were giving them a really hard time. The masters would make life for the slaves miserable. The husbands were not kind to their wives. They insisted, you're not like you used to be. Why don't you be the person I married? And not hearing the testimony of the Lord. So Peter begins by saying, there's something that makes us happy even in the midst of all of this. If we go back and look at the song, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us new birth. He's given us hope through the resurrection of the Lord. He's given us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And so now we rejoice. Even though we're going through some hard times now, we rejoice because we realize that we are realizing and will come to know the salvation of our souls. Now, that kind of brings me up short a little bit. As I read that, I'm I'm going along and thinking, yeah, that's good, yeah, that's good. And he gets right down there to the bottom and he says, the reason you can be happy even now, no matter what is going on in your life, where you can turn to and find joy is in your salvation. That causes me to stop and ask myself a question. When was the last time I experienced joy in my salvation? When was the last time that my salvation washed over my whole body and no matter what was happening around me, I felt the happiness and the joy of the Lord? Well, I can tell you when that last time was. And in fact, I can tell you when the last time you experienced that joy and that happiness at your salvation. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit more about Peter. You know, we talked about how he's writing to people that have a lot of heavy stuff going on in their lives right now. And to them, he's singing this happy song. Well, I want us to stop and think, what gives Peter the right to do that? What qualifies him to be able to say, no matter what is happening in your life, you can truly find joy and you can rejoice? Well, fortunately, we know a lot about Peter. If you go back and read the Gospels all the way through the book of Acts and even into some of Paul's letters, you begin to gather a lot of information about this man named Peter. And as you hear his story and so many things he did, you begin to realize that he had many times in his life when he was not a happy camper. For example, 
We know the story of when he's riding in the boat with his disciple friends, and they look out and they see Jesus walking on the water. Remember that story? And it's Peter that jumps up and says, I want to do it too. You know, let me come out and walk on the water too, you Lord. And Jesus says, well, come on. And so he jumps out of the boat and he takes one step, two step. And then, well, we know the story, don't we? He begins to look around, see the waves and thinks, what am I doing? (laughs) And sinks into the water. Well, think about it now. When Jesus drug him back into that boat and he's sitting there sopping wet and his 11 friends are looking at him like, way to go, big man. Now, I don't know why he got out of the boat to begin with. Was it that he was caught up in faith? Was it that he wanted to show these other guys that he could do something they couldn't do? I don't know, you know, what his motives really were. But I know when he sat there in that boat afterwards, he was not a happy man. What about that time when Jesus was giving some of the most deep and profound prophecy of his life? I am going to Jerusalem. I will be arrested. I will be killed. But on the third day, I will rise again. And Peter pops up and taps him on the shoulder and said, Don't talk about that. You know, you shouldn't be saying that. That's not going to happen. You're being silly. And Jesus, in front of his 11 friends, turns and looks at Peter and calls him the devil. Get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. You're talking like a human being. You're not talking about the things of God. I could see Peter. (laughs) What I would do. Just like, man, not a happy guy. What about whenever he stood up at the Passover feast and Jesus was saying, you're all going to run off and leave me tonight. And he said, well, the rest of these guys may run off and leave you, but I never will. I will stand through with you through whatever might come. I'll die for you. Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny even knowing me. Peter, not me, uh-uh, not I, I'm, I won't do that. And it lasted up till the time that this little girl, a big, scary little girl, walks up to him and says, You're one of his. You're a friend of this guy over here, aren't you? You know Jesus. And scared him. Never even met the man. Don't know what you're talking about. And the rooster crowed. Peter was not a happy man. Other times, even after Jesus was resurrected from the dead... And Jesus sent word to Peter and appeared to Peter. Peter preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached the first sermon to the Gentiles in Cornelius. Peter raised people from the dead. And then he went to a little town called Antioch. Well, it's not a little town, city called Antioch. And there, once again, he did something dumb. He was eating with everybody, having a big time with all the Christians until some friends of his came up from Jerusalem, kind of lifted their nose a little bit and said, Peter, I can't believe you're eating with those Gentiles. Me, uh -uh, I'm not eating with those Gentiles. Paul calls him up to the front of the church, 
points his finger at him and says, Peter, you're a hypocrite. When we look at Peter, we realize he was a real person. And Peter went through some hard times. And Peter hit the very bottom of the emotional scale. Peter knew what it was like to feel stupid. Peter knew what it was like to feel like an absolute failure. Peter knew what it was like to be as low as a person could be. Well, how is it then that he can talk to these people and tell them that even at this low time in their lives, they can feel the joy of the Lord? It's because Peter realized something that is true, has always been true, and will always be true. He realized that when he knew his weaknesses and when he turned those weaknesses to God, did not hide them, but held them out there for God to pour his love and his mercy and his grace upon, he knew that even in the low times, he would find that joy. If you don't hear me say anything else today, please hear this one sentence. Since the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, the two main things we need to know in order to live lives that are satisfying, lives that are full, the two main things we need to know in order to experience the joy that God wants in our hearts are these two things. Number one, our sins. And number two, the grace of God. And if we forget either one of those things, our lives will be flat. Our lives will simply grind along. And the low times will be low indeed. Paul spent a lot of time working on this with the people that read his letters as well. Romans chapters 1 through 3, he spends three whole chapters convincing us that we are all sinners. You know, I don't know why it's so hard to convince us of that sometimes. Sometimes we are a little surprised by that. But Paul tells us, whenever you start living your life the way you want to live it, and you're going along not thinking about God and not thinking about what God wants for you, you're going to be sinning. And during those times, whenever you really do care about God, and you're trying your hardest to do the things that he has called you to do and to do the right things, you will be sinning. It doesn't matter. It's unavoidable in our lives that we are sinners. You can quote the verse with me out of the Old Testament that Paul pulls up at the end of his argument where he says, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the God that we disappoint is a God of love and mercy and grace who worked through all of history to bring to us the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that whenever we recognize those sins and hold them before him, he can pour out through the blood of Jesus 
his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace. And it is when we do that that the joy of the Lord becomes real in our hearts. I told you at the beginning of the service today, we were going to look at uh, Psalm 32. But go back to Psalm 32. David begins by saying, if you want to know who happy people are, happy people are the ones who realize that they've sinned and that they've been forgiven. That is the source of all joy. Not to pretend that you're perfect, not to put on this front that everything's okay with me, but before God to say, I've sinned, and then to embrace his love, his mercy, and his grace. Listen to how he describes it. He says, there once was a time when I pretended that everything was okay. While I kept silence, he said, inside, my body was wasting away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, I didn't know what it was at the time, but now I know your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up like a West Texas July. What was wrong? Well, I was pretending everything was okay. I was pretending that I was okay, but I wasn't. So what did I do? Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not hide my iniquity anymore. I said, okay, God, I'll come clean. Here it is. This is it. This is who I am. This is what I've done. And one of the most beautiful lines in all of David's Psalms, and you forgave the guilt of my sins. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Shout for joy, all you who are now upright in heart. When life goes flat for you, let me suggest what Scripture says. It's probably because you've either lost sensitivity to your sin or to the grace of God. We can lose sensitivity to the sin in our hearts by just acting like it's not there, by pretending it'll go away by itself, by continuing to blame others and blame circumstances for the reason that we're not very happy, to point fingers out there at my lot in life, and this is just how it is. But if we realize our failures and keep them in, and carry them around with guilt, that won't work either. The recipe for experiencing the joy of the Lord is to have enough honesty to look at ourselves and who we are and hold that out to God and let Him heal us and make us whole. I promised at the beginning I was going to tell you the last time that you felt the joy of the Lord. Well, I can't give you the exact circumstance or the exact time, but the last time you and I felt the joy of the Lord was the time when we did this, when we realized our weakness 
when we realized how much we needed God, when we named the things going on in our lives that are hurtful to us and to others, whenever we held them out and said, I'm not going to hide them anymore, God, here they are. And when we did that with all our heart and opened our heart, we felt his love and his mercy, his forgiveness. And you know what that feels like? It feels like joy. It feels like happy. And then we want to enter into those songs that say, clap your hands, because we experience and know the joy of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I don't know what's going on in everyone else's heart. I know what's going on in mine. I know the things that uh, constantly frustrate me about myself. I know that everyone in this room has things that are disappointing to them about themselves. Father, we don't say this because we know that you want us to walk around with our heads down. We know that you want us to recognize our weaknesses, recognize our failings, so we can hold them out to you for your strength and your grace and your healing. Father, we do this right now. We name these things. We ask for your forgiveness. We determine with all our hearts we will try not to feel and to do and to say and to act that way again. But, Father, we do know that we're just human, and we will. We just thank you that you're an eternal God with a boundless supply of love and mercy and grace. Pour it upon us now so that we can leave this place clapping our hands and humming a happy song. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.